The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to The Answer. Thanks for joining us on your Tuesday morning answer. Happy Thanksgiving week. We are so grateful to have you join us. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. And Brian, you think that normally, well, in years past, normally this week is a short week and it's a little slower with a new cycle, but... No, 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 no. no. It seems there's no break in. And it is your six o'clock club member platinum for the morning answer. And we do want to say, yes, it's practice Wednesday here on the morning answer. No, it's like practice Thursday. No, it's it's definitely practice Wednesday because tomorrow is our last day. I, I see. I thought Friday maybe for, if you were equating it to the rest of the week, like if tomorrow's no, Friday. What I'm trying to do here is that tomorrow is basically. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? you I was not very good in algebra, tomorrow, please. <laughs> but uh, today you have that. We're doing practice Friday on. That's what we call Thursday. Since today, Tuesday feels like a Thursday with the Thanksgiving weekend. Tomorrow, Wednesday feeling like Friday. Well, then Tuesday would have to be practice Wednesday. My head. My I'm sorry. Head. Oh, my gosh. You think the alarm is going off. You think your head hurts now. <laughs> Wait till you start. Uh, well, good news. Yeah. Can we say it at the same time? What, this name of the city? One, two, Pasadena. Oh, Pasadena. I, I, w- yeah. I didn't know where you were going exactly. But, yeah, Pasadena taking a stand like the patriots that they are. <laughs> I get that reaction from you. They say, no, 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 outdoor dining in Pasadena is going to happen. And the reason that's able to be done is because Pasadena has its own health department. Now, uh-huh. I would assume like Glendale, Burbank, they're, in, they're incorporated cities. Mm-hmm. Do they also have their own health departments? I assume they – I know Long Beach does, and they're going along with L.A. on the banning tomorrow night of Well, Pasadena outdoor. has their own city council, so uh, – But I the th- health department was what I read this morning was actually the key thing you got to have. So we should go form a health department. Yeah, the city council did not take a vote, but they unanimously agreed to assess daily whether to shut down restaurants according to a city spokes depart a city spokesperson as you mentioned it's only one of two cities in the county that has its own health department and actually heeds its own health order so the city of pasadena says they're going to continue to assess its covid numbers that they're going to work closely with huntington hospital and give as much advance notice as possible if the city's order is going to change in any respect this is really good news and for all of you who just had your out uh, outdoor dining thanksgiving orders canceled now you can go to pasadena and yeah. Enjoy the holiday there. There is a Buca de Beppo in Pasadena. I've never been to it. Roos Chris, you can go all over the place. They said that we need to balance our growing numbers and economic hardship of our restaurant personnel. This is so smart. See, this is a city council that actually cares about the businesses in their district. It was really interesting to listen to Barbara Ferrer yesterday. And I think, Kevin, if you can find it, I think Josh got the audio from Catherine Barger that maybe you can put up on the the board. I put all the Dr. Barbara Ferrer audio in the morning answer. (laughs) Crypt. It's got the skull and crossbones on it and Vincent Price's laugh when you open the door. Catherine Barger, who's on the board of supervisors for L.A. County, came out yesterday and said she is the lone member of the board of supervisors who actually opposes the shutdown of L.A. County restaurants, which will go into effect tomorrow. And when asked about the science, Barbara Ferrer said that she had no science to show that she'd have to get back. She'd have to go to her office to get it directly linking coronavirus outbreaks with outdoor dining. So, again, 
again, when people are starting to get tired of uh, of the shutdowns, when people are starting to feel like maybe they don't want to follow the rules, it's because of the inconsistencies. And, uh, you know, we have to – I hope that our city, liter- our city, our county, our state leadership, I hope they're listening to this. I think that it's very interesting when you think about the science because that's the – that's the most I think that's the first question that thinking people have about this. What is the scientific data, the medical data, the expert data that legitimizes, justifies, for example, the halting tomorrow night in L.A. County, everywhere except Pasadena, of even the outdoor dining at restaurants? Because um, we have always understood outdoors is better than indoors. Supermarkets remain open. I understand that they have food and groceries, but so do restaurants have food. People eat at restaurants, but I understand you don't have to eat at a restaurant. However, the science, if I'm sitting, imagine we all have masks on and I'm sitting, my table is socially distant as they are on the patio areas or as of last night and will be tonight in the outdoor dining areas in L.A. County. And you're wearing a mask and the next customer is six feet from you and presumably the people at the table with you are people you know very well or household family members or whatever. What is the difference between that science, that closeness, when mouths are opening and eating is going on, it actually feels worse, than people right next to each other wearing masks indoors in a supermarket? Yeah, it makes no what sense. What is the scientific <laughs> difference? And, uh, you know, this is a question that people are thinking. You know, for a long time, I think for the first few months of uh, this pandemic, I think there were people who were just willing to kind of follow the rules blindly because they thought they were operating towards the greater good. But now people are trying to to question where these rules are coming from. For instance, and then we'll hear from Catherine Barger, but I thought this story from over the weekend was one worth mentioning here. Yep, yep. Uh, there are strip clubs in the state that are open yes. and deemed essential Real? No. and churches are shut down. So Pastor Rob McCoy, who's a friend of this program, yes, he got is. up at Godspeed Calvary Chapel in Ventura County over the weekend and pretended to do a strip tease so that he could actually maintain his oh. church services indoors. This is the kind of craziness, the kind yeah. of like just overreach of government that we're seeing he he put his hand to his collar and they said take it off take it off he did actually he put his hand to his tie and he started shaking things up Catherine barger we'll hear from her la county board of supervisors said she's splitting with the other as you like to call them they're the fab five but she's splitting with four of them she's the she's the john lennon of that of the uh of the fab four but they're the fab five she wants to stand out and now differentiate herself because she gets elected in a supervisorial district that has a few more Republicans in it. Take a listen. So in answer to Phil's question, um, yes, as chair, um, last week it was discussed, not in public, it was discussed by Dr. Ferrer bringing it to the board, um, which is why I didn't want to move forward with the announcement over the weekend. I felt we needed to have this discussion because I have serious concerns. I am not I'm a wallflower. I will not sit back. If I don't feel something's right, I will stand up for what I believe. And while I am chair, I am one of five. Uh, and I run the board meetings and I have authority over executive uh, authorization and all. But on this one, I'm speaking out uh, as a fifth district supervisor, but also as a concerned citizen who's listening to constituents and friends who are concerned about what their future is going to bring and their employees. I have one restaurant who told me he's going to have to lay off about 34 employees tomorrow and uh, he's not sure they're going to be able to come back. You know what it is, Jen? What's it that? is it is to me that 
people, you're right, in the beginning we were all like, okay, we got to do it. I listened to a broadcast that you and I did back in March or April and the feeling. And one day maybe, uh, you know, you hear some of it. It's just totally different. It took me back in time to, to that moment. And I said on the air then it was saying in the earliest days, just as a matter of fact, I was not being purposefully persuasive. I was not at all trying. You remember, I was not trying to be provi- I was just saying what we're reacting to what we're seeing. Our lives are altered because awesome governmental powers exerted very quickly uh, have created uh, these guidelines and these closures, etc. I think fair people will recognize if, if people are in a mask on a metro bus uh, down on the metro line in North Hollywood, if you're a restaurant owner, you're going, wait a minute, you made us eat outdoors. Okay, we're doing that. Now you take that away from mm-hmm. us. I think American people, and I know the good people of Los Angeles, really, of California, myself include, I speak for myself, when some group of people seems to be, for whatever reason, I don't think it's malice, I think it's just a... A mental thing, a block of some sort, when they're isolated, excuse me, wrong word, when they're identified for this restriction, when others are not and they seem just as dangerous, you know, 20 people on an L.A. metro, that doesn't seem fair. So therefore, it doesn't seem right. And uh, you have a lot of restaurants. I told you about my experience on Sunday going out to dinner saying these restaurants had ordered for Thanksgiving. This is a huge day of the year for them. Now they're being shut down. And at the press conference with the L.A. Public Health Director, Dr. Fair, get this. She was asked directly if she had concrete numbers on infections related to outdoor dining. Now, if you're giving a press conference explicitly shutting down restaurants, you would think you might have those numbers to try to justify your case. She said yes, but she didn't have it in front of her and their communications team can follow up. Up. That is. I think that's the first time she's ever said that at a press that conference. That is totally uncalled for. And to me, if you are going to shut it down, you better be able to tell us why and you better be able to explain it. Have a I, graph, I Barbara, because I people agree. are done. Now, and also, way, if you're traveling today and if you're traveling, you've got family coming in and out for yeah. Thanksgiving. Starting on Wednesday, Thanksgiving travelers arriving in L.A. by airplane or train are going to have to sign a form acknowledging California's recommendation of a 14-day self-quarantine. That was announced by Mayor Garcetti yesterday evening. And Mayor Garcetti, in the same announcement, was urging people, Angelinos, to stay home for Thanksgiving the day after tomorrow, announcing a fine for travelers who fail to acknowledge the state advisory that Jennifer just... If he'll be staying home, Brian, what do you think? Because Gavin Newsom didn't stay home. He went to dinner, and now we're finding out his bar tab was like $15,000 at the French Laundry, where he dined inside with 22 other people. No, really, uh, we really do have to unpack more of this kind of uh, identifying restaurateurs. And when these other places are seemingly – and she didn't have the science. And it should be so understood. It should be second nature to her to take a step this big. When you're making a shutdown, you should have those numbers with you. All right, the transition gets the go-ahead, but what does this mean for Trump's legal challenges? As your Tuesday Morning Answer continues. Every morning, breaking news and talk you can trust. This is The Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horan. Thanks for joining us. Thanksgiving week here on The Morning Answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and uh, an interesting development yesterday about 3 o'clock our time, 6 o'clock on the East Coast. 
President Trump sent out a tweet indicating that he had given the okay to the GSA, the General Services Administration, to be able to pass out, well, not pass out, that would be bad, but to pass along their resources to help Joe Biden's team start to transition. President Trump very clearly saying that this wasn't about ending his challenges, that he still takes issue with uh, several of the results in several states and that his legal team will continue to challenge them. But he did say that he has given authority to at least to initiate the transition process to a Biden administration. And he said it was because the person in charge of it was actually getting death threats for not moving on this faster. He said she didn't deserve it and uh, he wanted to make sure that she was protected. So I'm glad I'm glad Emily Murphy is her name, by the way. Yeah, the General Services Administration provides the incoming uh, president, uh, president-elect, and his, so far, all his, right, and his team with federal resources and access to agencies. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, and it was, uh, it was uh, forgive the term, downplayed by many supporters on cable news and elsewhere uh, that, uh, that Joe Biden was being denied access to some intelligence information or COVID information. Joe Biden kind of making a stink about that in recent days. So yesterday, uh, Joe Biden's administration began with the green light to formally, formally, we know he's done a lot of things before this with the COVID task force and his chief of staff, et cetera, formally begin a transition of power after a previously little known federal agency, that's the General Services Administration, called the GSA. The president did uh, say in a tweet that he was recommending the GSA and others in his administration begin initial protocols to kickstart the transfer of presidential power. And uh, I feel like there was a missed opportunity from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We'll talk about that in a second, but there's one way. See how good your trivia is here that you can tell that the transition started yesterday. Do you know what that one indication is that we could all see happen Uh, first? uh, I'm going to take a guess, but I thought it happened first. Is it the backdrop behind Joe Biden when he speaks that says office of the president-elect? No, that's fake, by the way. There is no office of the president-elect. No, I know, but they but they always – but they put the th- something up. I think there is an office. Of no. The, he has an office. It, you, you, that's something he gave himself. <laughs> that's actually a title he gave himself. But, no, the .com went to – from his website, the Joe Biden website, was a .com. It .org. went to a .gov, .gov, .gov overnight. Gov. Yeah, oh. that, was, that was what happened. Now, uh, the Biden – if we can call it the administration, I guess he's forming an administration. The incoming administration. Jennifer, once the results, are, once the results are certified, you. this is an important breakthrough. Jennifer, look no. at me mm-hmm. and say, "I'm an American. I'm an American. So, I love my country. I love my country. The facts are clear. The facts are clear. The incoming Biden administration. Joe Biden. Oh, see, I knew it. <laughs> Go ahead. What else? Oh, I, I can't go beyond that. We, we've Look, once lot, the, once the results are certified, I will yeah. call him president-elect once the election results are certified. But you're even holding out more than Trump. I mean, for Trump to say, you know, let's do the initial protocols for the – we all know Trump's – No, I actually think this, this is one. the right thing. Look, I have said all along, if he wants to expand resources and give him briefings and stuff, that's fine. When that comes along, that's that's okay. It's what happened during the uh, the go-between when, when uh, Bush and Gore were fighting it out. Both of them fought for hours 
access to uh, to have access to transition resources. So it's fine. Because and there was a lot being disputing. The there thing. was a lot being made about Joe Biden not getting resources. He officially was not given transition funds from the GSA, but he was brought into COVID briefings. He had some of those things at his disposal already. So it turns into more of the mainstream media trying to make this a big deal. But here's the opportunity that Joe Biden had yesterday when uh, this was uh, this announcement or this tweet was sent out by by President Trump. I hope you don't say what I think you're going to say. That's no fun. What do you think I'm going to say? No, it'd be no fun if I told you. Okay, here's Fly what away. here's no. what I believe Missed op- should have happened. Missed yeah. opportunity. Right. So he sent out a tweet saying uh, that now that he has those resources and funds from the GSA, right, that he it. was going to begin to look at how badly some of the government agencies had been decimated by President Trump. Now, here's where you have an opportunity, Joe. You have an opportunity because you're preaching the U word. I hear it all the time. Unity. I want to unify. I want to be the president for everybody. You could say transition. The transition has begun, and we thank we thank the the administration for no. for sending those resources to us, and we hope. No. To work together side by side to ensure no. that 73 million Americans Jennifer, can trust the electoral process. That's uh, all. It would have been easy way, if he's practicing and preaching uh, unity. Okay, a couple of things. 73 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, our president, do not all believe that the election was rigged or stolen. The majority in a new poll believe uh, that there were problems. majority of Republicans. Yeah. But, the, but if we went and talked to the majority the poss- of the 73 million people who voted for Oh, they for called Trump. all 73 million? This is my point. That's a large number. There so, is a poll, okay, and I know that. what we can do with polls, but if you want to believe the polls, the I poll says that the majority of people who voted for President Trump question okay. the authenticity of okay. the election. So point. either way, you're you're walking into a divided place, whether you're the, Biden the, or Trump, you've got division. The point, uh, the the I want to tell people, yes, you're waking up Southern California. It's a planet Earth still. It's this long 2020. We're not broadcasting from Mars today. Uh, this is fascinating and i marvel at you because you make me laugh but you make me think that you would call on joe biden to be somehow right now in this moment and please hear me out the upstanding statesman the fact is well that's who he's pretending to be well he is that no he's not obviously if he really cared he would have said something if the president of the united i'm not going to call well the president has not acted presidential in my opinion since he was a candidate so why would i take that back now this seems to be the most unfortunate way for his presidency to uh, uh for his natural term to expire let me say this to you uh the president of the united states the person who has been denying and and has been creating problems for the transition team we talk about a peaceful transition of power in this country and we romanticize it and have it as an ideal for a reason because it always happens and it's until donald trump no until obama started setting booby traps to try to kick out donald trump a duly elected president from office believe me the days of romanticizing transition died with the fbi james comey james clapper and president obama and by the way uh, joe biden joe (laughs) Joe Biden will start saying, I'm quite sure, nice things about President Donald Trump when the president does something that all people, especially presidents who lose elections, must do. Can I can I just add? I don't want him to say something. I know. I know. I don't want him to say anything about Donald Trump. I want him to say nice things to other voters. All right. Can I just. Sure. It's it's fundamental to 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 this process. The president of the United States has to have written for him or write himself a graceful concession speech. And he must uh, uh, do that 
formally because it's appropriate. Al Gore did it in December of the year 2000 after the Supreme Court ruling that gave the presidency and their judgment to uh, uh, President George W. Bush. It has to happen. It's the appropriate thing to do. It will when it's the right time. But right well, now there are st- still legal challenges underway. And the president, I think, pretty graciously started saying, here, if you want to be in on on intelligence briefings, we will allow you to do that through the transition because that is who President Trump is. He's no, a that is the tradition. That is the tradition in this nation. Then why wasn't President – here's – you know, I love hearing Jennifer- about tradition and presidential stuff, yet – you, the mainstream media, have given cover to the Obama administration for never giving any of those things to Trump, Brian. But that's they not may true. Have given, they may have given a speech, but who cares? You can throw a speech in a trash can. If you have people in the FBI that have been weaponizing law enforcement at the highest levels to go after members of your campaign, to take down someone that was appointed as your national security advisor because you didn't like him, that's Jennifer, not a peaceful transition there, of power. That's a crime. Jen, there are scandals in politics all the time. Take for, take this for example. It's the not scan- a reason to write it off, though. We can't just say that's but, okay. It's not but okay. It's never stopped. For example, Bill Clinton beat George H. W. Bush after one term, just like Trump and Carter. One term. Bill Clinton and George H. W. Bush had a peaceful transition. Then all the scandals of Monica Lewinsky, Clinton hating, obviously not hating, but really not liking Republicans and vice versa. George W. Bush wins the presidency. There is a gracious and by the way, now they're great friends. So there is character and there is basic basic presidential behavior that the nation relies on and expects. Presidential behavior is a lie if behind the scenes you're working against someone. Do I think President Do I think President Obama and Joe Biden gave President Trump a peaceful transition of power? Absolutely not. They may have made you feel good in a speech, but if you look at their actions, they should be locked up, and that is true. And there is evidence to prove it that the mainstream media will not cover. 855-785-8255. Eric Garcetti in a new scandal, uh, this one involving his chief of staff. Now there's some evidence that has presented itself. You won't believe what it is. Pretty shocking stuff. As your Tuesday morning answer continues. News and talk you can trust. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on your, your morning your, answer. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sometimes, you know. <laughs> I do. No. The buttons don't work. Please. And then sometimes you sound like you're like stuck, like an old re- kids. There were things called records back in the olden days. And they used to skip. Oh, wait, they do them again. I think they're popular again. They do. And yeah. you know who uh, on vinyl, because sometimes, yes, yeah, some folks, uh, myself included, some music just sounds better on a phonograph, a record player with that pop. The pop is, in the There's a very contemporary uh, celebrity who has a vast record. She only listens to her music on vinyl. And she's very contemporary. Her name is Rachel Ray. Oh, she only listens to records. And she has a massive collection of records. I heard her interviewed about him. Huh. I think that's cool, but also a little snobby. She actually goes and out I of her way. I love Rachel Ray. Yeah. I don't think she's a snob, so I'm not she's trying not. to say. She goes out of her way to say that's the thing I indulge on in my home. All right. That's it. Okay. And she's got a big, like, fancy record player. But, uh, you know, uh, the other thing about records is like politics. They skip and they go on. And <laughs> bip, bip, same thing. It just repeats itself in rotation. Kind of like the new Biden administration. Well, it's I like, was going to say. It's like kind Obama of like, 2.0. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a record skipped and we'll just uh-huh. skip right over Trump. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's talk about indulgences, <laughs> shall we? You brought it up. It's Thanksgiving week. Maybe people are thinking uh-huh. about indulgences. 
indulgences. Yes, mm. well, you sh- you should be thinking about indulgences, but this is a weird Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, and uh, this isn't necessarily about Thanksgiving. It's about indulging oneself to government's power. Mayor Eric Garcetti has been in a bit of hot water, so much so that he had to actually be pulled off of the campaign trail for Joe Biden about a month ago because his deputy chief of staff, named Rick Jacobs, was in trouble for sexually harassing a lot of, and these are men, not women, sexually harassing other men that were around Eric Garcetti, including an LAPD officer who filed suit against him, countless others. I think the total was up to like 30 the last time I checked. Was it that high? Because we had talked about two or three claims that were in the Yasher Ali, who is a reporter who uh, was also traveling with Garcetti for some time, came out and said the cop, uh, the LAPD officer, is absolutely right in his claims. And by the way, it was done to me, too. He would come up to me and kiss me, touch me inappropriately, make comments, things that should not be happening in a professional environment. Well, things that do happen to men, certainly here in in Hollywood. I mean, young men are victimized by... uh, Men who are older in power positions and uh, who have same-sex attraction, and it's not—it's no different than uh, than sexual harassment in the—I don't mean in the definable way, because a definition would include, of course, all of this stuff. But we all perceive it as a man, yep. not quite Harvey Weinstein, who is a rapist, but uh, you know, we we uh, we. Uh, we, we see it as a man victimizing a less powerful person who's usually a woman. Uh, but uh, in the mayor's administration, this Rick Garcia, he's sort of like a vice mayor. Yeah, he's uh, they called him the executive mayor. He's officially the deputy chief of staff. And so Rick Jacobs, the question with him is whether or not Eric Garcetti knew. Because Eric Garcetti has come out and said he's on leave. We're going to investigate this, even though he happens to be one of Eric Garcetti's best friends and has been with this guy for a long time. Is a trusted folks, consultant. Eric Garcetti says he didn't know anything about it. And he was never there, even though countless people said he was there and witnessed it. It happened in front of them. In front that's of right. And uh, Morning Answer listeners who are hearing maybe about Rick Garcia from Garcetti's Jacobs. administration. Rick Garcia uh, used to do sports on CBS. I always say that. Uh, uh, Rick, and you said Rick Jacobs on purpose, so I would uh, – you said it in a way I that I knew I was trying to be. I knew you were. That's how well we know each other. Having said that, uh, some cues I can't pick up. With a little up. wink. Here's the thing. And she held up a sign with uh, light bright uh, lights. The flashing said, Jacobs, light. Jacobs, right. But uh, point is this, that uh, don't mistakenly assume, guys, as you hear this, that Rick Jacobs stayed – don't think that he left the administration or was uh, or was on leave. He was there for a long time next to Garcetti in the offices and et cetera at City Hall uh, for many, many, many days and months and years. I assume it's years after these allegations started to come in. So it's That's not right. like Garcetti said, oh, one allegation, you've got to go. He no just way. Went on leave. He actually just went on leave when uh, Biden's team actually threw Garcetti off as being a surrogate. And so that was, I think, it all blends together but about a month, maybe a month and a half ago. Yeah, more about Garcetti losing something than doing the right thing, it sounds Correct. like. Correct. So now, Mr. I didn't know anything about it. Well, a picture has presented itself. Oh, no. This was a picture back in 2017 at the U.S. Conference of Mayors in Miami Beach. Okay. Now, that was in this – that was still the first term. This is clearly uh, not COVID compliance. This was back in 2017. Yeah, and this, I believe, is still the first term of Eric Garcetti. Now, yeah, I think that's right. I believe that's right. Rick Jacobs is on the left. There are one, two, three, four, five. There are six people in this picture, five men, one woman at the end. Rick Jacobs is on one side. The woman is on the other. The men are in the center. Eric Garcetti right smack dab, if you can 
can give yourself kind of a, a mind's eye as well. In the middle, yeah. No, you're describing it well. And two men on either side of Garcetti. His advisor, Rick Jacobs, who is on the left, puts his hand in front of the um, the private area uh. of an L.A. civic activist who uh. was also attending the conference. Uh, very now, respectful. The man in the photo said that Jacobs did not touch him, and his identity is being withheld, but his image is being sent out everywhere. And in it, I mean, it's a pretty gratuitous picture with his Is hands, his face blurred? His, is his face, face blur- is blurred. Okay. But his hand is in that area. Now, Now again, Jacob's hand is in the area of this civic activist, I believe is how you describe this that's person. That's right, who okay. does not want to be named, and they blurred him out. But it is in, you know, it's in the area. Uh, covering and, and being uh, totally inappropriate, but touching him or not? Well, he uh, said the tell. man who is being blurred, whose identity is remaining anonymous, that he never touched him. But the, clearly the behavior is there. So I think what we're trying to figure out is whether or not Garcetti knew about this kind of behavior, this general attitude, whether they are touching or not. Matters probably in a court of law if there's any criminality there, obviously, because that's a whole different thing. But I've rendered my verdict when this type I wouldn't look. I have a funny you know me. I have a funny sense of humor. This to me is out of the realm of ever being appropriate in a professional setting. This is not a joke. This is it's serious. Right. And it's at a formal professional event. And it happens to be that their profession club, their job is leading the city of Angels, the city of Los Angeles. Now, if you wonder about Rick Jacobs, I'm not saying the man is guilty of everything he's accused of, but I'm telling you this, and maybe some folks have thought this by now. He's accused of doing these things uh, with, the, with the touching and the inappropriate comments, and I don't know, it goes far, but it doesn't go as far as other things, but it runs a gamut of words to, I believe, some contact. If this person... On the job as an executive or a director of a – what is it again? He's not a vice mayor. He's, he's a deputy chief, chief of staff. Deputy chief of staff. They used to if call he, him the executive mayor because he's got Garcetti's ear. If he would make this gesture while he is fully aware that a photograph is being taken of him, then he will obviously do it anywhere else yeah and this ding dong of a mayor garcetti i mean who is so stupid that would is do that? standing right next to the guy who's got his who, who rick <laughs> gates ha- or rick uh, Jeez, jacobs has geez. his hand on and Yo. he's got his thumbs up and he's smiling i mean he's full-on cheesing now the la times got a hold of this picture and uh, they did an interview with the man who again wants to be anonymous the man said that jacobs did not touch him but he said when he was shown the photo later in the evening he found it offensive and felt that jacobs should be ashamed of his behavior of course. I mean, this man is a civic activist. He's doing he's doing civic work, which is which is uh, uh, citizen minded work. I would assume that he's not a bad person. Yeah. A- and then you've got uh, some politicians who, again, I always assume want to do good in people's lives. But this man is putting his hand toward the uh, toward the private area of a man next to him at a professional event. They they're in the mayor's office, Garcetti and this Rick Jacobs. Um, and you know what? It's just it's just so gross because the, he's doing this like you give me the horns when right. we take snapshots like uh, he, when we're out having fun. But you know what? If I gave you the horns, I would at least be making like a funny face or going, oh, you know, we would be goofing. This didn't look 
like a goof. I mean, this looked like. Well, no, it's ne- some would say it's never a joke if you're putting your hand to someone's area <sighs> that is, and we understand we're in the man's lap, basically, although he was standing, right? Now, in October, three other men came forward with accusations that they had been targeted by uh, Rick Jacobs. They said it was unwelcome touching and harassment. One of the victims that we've heard from publicly is Yashir Ali, who wrote about the aggressive behavior and how the mayor's office knew all about it, didn't even stop him from trying trying to release the story and these pictures that show this man were actually presented by former city employees who actually <laughs> had this floating around the other officer the LAPD officer who had the same type of uh type of accusations is named Matthew Garza and he filed suit over the summer pretty interesting all right the legal challenge for the president it's an uphill battle does he have no. a shot is Dr. Uphill- Sebastian Gorka is uphill- here with some insight for us as your Tuesday morning answer continues <laughs> Jennifer Horn is funny, smart, and beautiful. And then there's Brian, who's, um... Well, he's just shush for a minute. This is The Morning Answer. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on The Morning Answer, Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn, and one of Brian's, well, one of your political heroes, at least for some time, Rudy Giuliani. Well, I'll tell you something. In the news. You really used to like him as a kid in New York City, right? That's actually not true. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a teenager. Come on, Whitman. Admit it. Now, by the way, we need to mention here, the name's going to come up in my 32nd Rudy Giuliani history. Uh, well, I was a teenager. He first ran for mayor, and he lost to the man who became mayor who yesterday passed away at 93, former New York City Mayor David Dinkins. That's right. Uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, 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 ran against uh, Mayor Dinkins again in a rematch and did defeat Mayor Dinkins in 1993. Look, my last I, name is Horn. I can recognize an unfortunate last name when I hear one. And God rest the soul of David Dinkins. David Dinkins was Dinkins was, is not a great last name. Well, um, look, I I'm got made fun g- of a lot, so I can say this. Okay, uh, yeah, okay. But David <laughs> Dinkins, four syllables. David Dinkins, boom. He was he was a very he was the first black African American yeah. mayor of New York City. I remember at the time hearing like a hundred years before there had been one. But even the New York Post is saying today that Dinkins was the first. So rest in peace, Mayor Dinkins. I'll tell you later what I learned about myself and my politics by Mayor David Dinkins. I'll tell you in the last segment of the show. Wow, Giuliani. Okay. Yeah, seriously, Giuliani. Jeez. I liked. I thought Giuliani. It was nailed by former New York Mayor Ed Koch, who wrote a book. Nasty man. And Koch, it was about Giuliani. And Koch said uh, he has been a very good mayor, but he's a nasty man. (laughs) And I agree with the late Ed Koch. I think that assesses it, you know. But Rudy Giuliani gave, at my commencement at Wagner College in New York, a dynamite commencement address. See, that's what I was getting for. Uh, that's what I was going for. I knew that you had seen him speak in person. I All right. He handed me my diploma. Let, that is so cool. See, that's cool. All right. Rudy Giuliani, who is the attorney. And asked me for an affidavit that he could fill out later. <laughs> for I the said, not fair. I never know that. He talked about this split that we spoke about yesterday. It had a lot of conservatives, a lot of people scratching their head after a press conference where they showed a united front. Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, um, Gosh, Joe DeGeneva, they were all out there together as a united front. Now, Sidney Powell. Members of the election legal team. That's right. The election legal team then said that, no, that Powell has not been a paid attorney for President Trump in a personal capacity or with the RNC through the campaign. And Sidney Powell yesterday confirmed that that is true. She has not received any money. She has promised to go this alone, promising a gigantic lawsuit that she says is releasing literally the Kraken on people this week. She said that she's going to file 
file a lawsuit based on some of the claims made with the Dominion and the Smartmatic voting systems. This is what Rudy Giuliani had to say about Sidney Powell yesterday and why they split. I think it's because we're pursuing two different theories. Our, uh, our theory of the case to get to the Supreme Court now in four places, and it's soon going to be in two others and there'll be an overall lawsuit, is uh, b- basically uh, misconduct of the election by state officials in at least five or six different states in which the misconduct of the election involved deprivation of constitutional rights for the president. That's Rudy Giuliani yesterday saying that they're pursuing two different paths. Essentially, the the claims that Sidney Powell made, and I think I said it the next day, those are really big claims that need evidence. And we played them on the air. We, we played them. them. And uh, they need evidence to back them up. And uh, this is significant. I mean, what she is saying happened is would be one of the greatest, probably the greatest political scandal in our nation's history. And I so may, may I take a moment to say, really to say this? All of these attorneys are saying very significant things about the election that decides who the leader of the free world in our great country is. So I understand Sidney Powell's a little bit out there beyond what, but Rudy's getting pretty wild. And as Governor Christie said yesterday, they've had sufficient time, they've accessed the courts to present their evidence. And in, in, in Governor Christie's uh, opinion, uh, they have not. And, and it's not just Governor Christie. It's a lot of people in this country, a lot of Republicans, too. Yeah, I think a lot of Republicans still wanting to see. I think there's a feeling. I know it has existed in me since 2016 that there is something going on with our voting system. Doesn't feel right. The resources and the numbers just from someone who's a novice. I don't pl- I don't claim to be an expert has just seemed Nor off. I. And I. Yeah. and I think we even commented in L.A. County how every single congressional race was split 70-30. And Jen, it, it, during the mail in ballot, strange. during the mail in ballot debate in the summertime on this broadcast, Morning Answer with Brian and Jen. Happy Tuesday, by the way. It feels like Thursday because tomorrow's Wednesday feels like Friday. Happy Thanksgiving is what I'm trying to say. Point is that uh, even when I was telling you I support mail in ballots and I still think it's the right thing to do in a country that's being told it's safer at home, I said every time I said it, I never said that governments, state governments, uh, were good at organizing elections the way they were. It just felt to me to be a necessary thing to do, and I was hopeful, beyond hope, I'm a realist, but uh, they never get it right. I said to many callers, you think L.A. County is going to know if you voted yeah. on a mail-in? I just said to you, they're not going to know. And this is – and so th- this – I hope you hear my heart, and I hope you hear the I heart do. of Americans because, look, I would love to see another four years of Trump. I do believe in my heart that there was something that went on on election night when the ballots it was stopped being counted and we saw this infusion of votes for Joe Biden. It may not turn uh, – look, I'm not unrealistic. It may not turn the direction of this election. But I do think whatever path we're on deserves to be investigated for future elections because this stuff matters, whether it's a congressional race in California or it's a presidential race. We need to get this right because when people start doubting the country already, we've seen doubt in law enforcement. And look at how crime has spiked. Look at the defunding of police. When people start to doubt things, it's it's an issue. And so for the good of the country, we need to get it Right. We are the shining light on the hill. Right. We need to show yeah. the rest of the That's world right. how to do this. And and so I think it's really important that and it's un- I was gonna, I because was gonna of the politics, yeah. people are being yeah. mocked for saying this kind of stuff. And I hate that because these are real claims that deserve investigating. I was going to say to you when you eloquently and compassionately and thoughtfully said that you have this thing, you feel this way. And I understand that. And by the way, I feel 
about a lot of things and have conclusions and, and maybe they're not fully the evidence, but we're concerned. You have a concern. And I was going to say to you, I hate because I love you and, and I know that you're not – I know that you're an intellectual and I know that you care about the course of the nation. I hate that you feel that way. Yeah. and I, look, I do. I hate I'm not going to be – I told you from the very beginning. It's not about you. I if, hate that that feeling's present. If you know? Biden wins, I will not be bitter like Democrats were for four years. I'm not going to not talk to my family and friends because I'm ticked and election didn't go my way. So I promise but you that's not won. what this is about. What Biden it's about has, has is – well, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Okay. I think it, the investigation needs to happen. So here's the here's what happened yesterday. President Trump's campaign said that it scored two victories yesterday in its effort to contest results in battleground states, including Michigan, which certified their election results yesterday. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be undone, but it makes it that much more difficult to undo election results that have already been certified. And you're not referring to the – seriously, you're not referring to the Electoral College. No, the Electoral College happens on December 14th. That will be the day when you will hear me, and I make the commitment to you, if – these, everything satisfies itself on the 14th. If Biden is voted in by the Electoral College, then he will be the president-elect in my mind. But President Trump's campaign said it scored two victories Monday. They uh, are in several battle- battleground states. You know the drill. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada. And uh, Michigan state legislators agreed to hold a hearing into election irregularities while a federal appeals court expedited proceedings to consider President Trump's legal challenge in Pennsylvania. So a win in Pennsylvania, a win in Michigan, or at least that's how the campaign sees this. They also have about a dozen compelling allegations of voting irregularities in the 2020 election that actually have some meat. There have been a lot of lawsuits that have been filed and thrown out. But for instance, three quarters of Detroit's precincts had mismatched voting totals. That's one in Michigan. Unfolded, pristine mail-in ballots flagged in Georgia. Now, if uh, they're unfolded, how were they mail-in ballots is one of the questions. Another thing out of Georgia, the Secretary of State, because President Trump is paying for that third count, uh, another recount. And the Secretary of State says, Jen, that the recount signature matching... Uh, of, you know, if somebody signs and it looks different from the way they had signed uh, previously. The Secretary of State says the Trump campaign Republicans are demanding this, but he says it's impossible to do it. So th- there's a lot. There's a lot. Two things going on in Georgia, though. One will be the audit that the governor has asked for because they found all those ballots during the recount that were not counted. And then certain counties will be recounted again because President Trump has requested that. So, again, you see these election results certified, and that is significant. But it doesn't mean anything until the electors are brought in and they vote. And that happens on uh, December the 8th and then finally the vote on December 5th. Uh, 14th, excuse me. All right, as we continue, big closures for L.A. County restaurants. Someone significant speaking out to defend them. You might be surprised at who that person is as your Tuesday morning answer continues.